Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger, and today we are going to be checking out PWAs and mobile. Uh, we've got a couple panelists with us today. We've got Alyssa Nichol joining us. How's it going, Alyssa? Hey, hey. And we have Mike Brocky with us today. Mike? Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And our guest today is Sani Youssef. Sani, how's it going? Hi. Hi, everybody. How's everyone doing? Cool. Sonny, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you got going on, what you do for work, um, all that kind of stuff. All right. Thank you very much, Justin. Um, hi, everybody. Uh, yeah, so I'm Sonny Youssef. I, I live in, in England, and I'm very, very uh, I've got a lot of love for the Angular and the, the Ionic community. So um, I did recently spend eight months traveling around the world, um, kind of learning about the, what's it called? The what people are doing with technology, especially around Angular and Ionic, um, across fourteen cities. Um, so all the way down to Africa, some parts of the Middle East. Uh, um, what's it called? Um, in Europe as well. And I did carry on my travels as well. Took me to places like Israel and uh, to actually see the development community, which was pretty awesome. Uh, and yeah, so day to day, I'm a trainer and also a developer. So I do a lot of you know, NG2, NG1 stuff, mostly NG2 lately. Uh, a lot of work in the Ionic um, community, uh, training, writing, and also like some authoring as well, uh, video courses and, and some uh, one book in the bank. So yeah, uh, to put it short, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Man, that's a, that's a lot of stuff. So um, I'm interested, What uh, what's the community like as you go to these different dev communities? I mean, are there, there are a lot of, I mean, I'm sure there's probably a lot of similarities, but like, what was that experience like going, oh, this is how these people are devin over here and over there? Yeah, it's, 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 it's actually eye-opening. It's very, very interesting. Like, uh, I recently wrote, um, I think last week, I had a blog published on the Ionic um, blog about my travels, which was pretty cool. So I think it should be the latest blog on there, um, Ionic. Um, worldwide community so it's it's really interesting uh, i mean you go to places where uh people actually de are developing things with, like very unique problems uh especially when i went to like uh nigeria and africa and i i met a lot of people kind of using angular and ionic to develop very specific problems that are dedicated to their own locale uh and uh, i once had someone call me the ionic guy people i never really knew but because they had followed my blog so i saw this one two uh two guys along the street saying hey the ionic guy in like the silicon valley area of nigeria that was really funny so i was like okay i don't, I don't really know you but hey thanks uh, so that's really that was really funny and but yeah uh everything's different from what they're developing you know the, even things like the social media they used to get in touch it's it's all really different but there are a lot of similarities but it's all good and you'll get to learn from them yeah that's that's sort of like yeah what it feels like that's cool are, are some of the similarities like uh development environments and tools that they're using i mean do you find that as common or or is that totally different as well yeah yeah i i, I there there are a lot of um similarities and and um and like sort of um how do how would you how would i put it differences at the same time you know so, so something something like uh um i went to like um a place like you know nigeria where i saw like people using firebase for pretty much everything even like things that it wasn't really meant for because they were so in love with everything you know like 
uh, and then I went to a different city where I saw people loving, you know, couch and uh, couch base and stuff. Uh, even then, I went around and saw actually people created local IDEs. There was a company that created a local IDE, which was, I mean, I think it's kind of died now, but it's like they were creating local IDEs that kind of use some of the local wordings and stuff like that, and it was getting really popular. Uh, so that's kind of some of the things you'd see, and it was it was pretty interesting to see. Wow, it was really, yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, I'm curious. I mean, I'm assuming that that's going to affect how you kind of approach your training and the stuff that you do as you go forward in the future. Now that you have this knowledge and, and realization of how these other communities work and stuff, now you're probably your gears are probably spinning right of like, okay, how can I adapt my training or my stuff that I'm doing going forward to kind of take those things into consideration? Absolutely. I, I think curation is very, 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 it's one of the most important things. You can, you can create the best content, be it a talk, a book, anything, but if you don't curate it properly to the, to the end users, then you end up with, you know, a really great material that nobody really understand so you need to understand so for example i'll give you an example of when i went to israel for example tel aviv for uh, the angular up conference for example i spent you know a good part of three weeks listening to like um you know hebrew music um because i was creating an app that i wanted to kind of like um let, catch the people's eyes and i i, I kind of had to learn, learn understand some like really really young kind of hip-hop style um hebrew music uh had to integrate some you know like uh right to left support things like that so you kind of these are the things that the people down there you know they're using a different language kind of need to know what to write and, and it ended up being a very very good choice because they absolutely loved it as well um so yeah curation is very very key justin i i, I do agree it's interesting to, um, I wonder, because you mentioned different uh, social medias being used. We just did a show about finding content, and I'm wondering how that differs um, internationally and uh, in different communities uh, versus what I'm kind of in a little bit of a black box here um, of where what I see in my world. Uh, so it's in, it'd be interesting to see what other people are using to find their content elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's very true. So, uh, um, I uh, kind of wrote about this as well, and, and I can just quote from that. Is so I was so surprised when I was in the co uh, development community in like um, you know something like um, um, Tel Aviv, for example. You know, that's a very big Facebook country like um, city. Basically, um, people don't really use Twitter. You know, if in America and like most parts of Europe, especially, you know, the UK, we're very big on Twitter, you know, we, we all, I, I'm pretty sure all of us like pretty much watch one another, you know, the Twitter way, kind of someone's retweeted, so you've seen your stuff, but I was so surprised, they were more Facebook, and, and where I come from, Facebook is a bit more personal, if you get what I mean, it's a bit more, you know, you, your friends, and your family, and after giving a talk or two, I saw a lot, like this huge amount of people basically saying, hey, um you know we want to add you on facebook and but then these are some of the things that you kind of need to be aware of and then i went to places like uh nigeria where video content is not necessarily as popular due to you know very expensive data and power demands so it makes much more some people prefer things that like are a little bit a bit more bite-sized uh and then whatsapp is absolutely huge there you know people create whatsapp groups for everything and so these are some of the like the little kind of differences with the mediums that people use and uh, that I found really, really interesting. 
And I guess it always just depends on like how, I don't know, how available like data or network is. Like, I'm sure it's not like the only variable, but I guess it sounds like that's the main one. Yeah, I, I think the environmental that the people live in does kind of influence greatly the mediums they use. So I, if in a place like Tel Aviv, I, I, I think because it's a very, very, you know, small and close-knit community. So everybody kind of knows everybody kind of thing. So we already, they tend to have each other on Facebook already, while Twitter is much more outreach. So you can see why that will happen. And I can talk about somewhere, a place like Denmark where they don't, when they, they're giving out meetup groups, uh, meetups, they don't really use like tools like meetup, for example, they're more actually, they're more used to like uh, email list. I was so surprised that um, dude, you'd have these long email lists that, that people actually use. So it's, it's the environment does play a role in, in a positive way actually to what people use. I, that's really true. Man, that's, that's all fascinating stuff. We definitely, uh, people need to follow you and uh, listen to uh, how you're going to convey this information over time. I'm sure you're going to be sharing a lot of stuff about your experiences going through these things and, and different approaches that are going to be valuable for the community to learn about how to take away from what you've experienced. So it's definitely pretty cool. Um, so, can I jump in yeah. once? So you mentioned um, that uh, around the world, there's a lot of different bandwidth concerns. Um, can you talk about how those bandwidth concerns fit into the topic of today's show with PWAs and how that kind of fits in and what PWAs are? Mm -hmm. um, yes, absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for just to start off with, you know, PWAs on their own really naturally just kind of like solve some of the bandwidth concerns. So I'll give an example. Uh, with a PWA, you don't need to install, you know, uh, an application from the app store that's that's one right so uh, a country like nigeria where they actually people use this app called FlatShare, which i had never seen in my life where what it does is it allows users to send via bluetooth apks of apps they have installed so that they don't have to actually so if an app is like 100 megabyte large right and you're paying a lot of money for 100 megabyte with FlatShare, you can just tell the guy hey you know just send that apk for me and then when you meet someone that has a newer version you don't need to go to the app store but uh, what you find is actually use the mobile web more than the actual applications they install. So with PWAs, for example, that in that part of the world, that is going to be an absolute plus for them because now they can just go to a normal website, you know, have that saved on the home screen, and just every time they visit it, they can get the latest version. So saving them a lot of data. And one of the first PWAs to actually come out, like uh, on Google I/O, was actually built in Nigeria by uh, an e-commerce so like the one of the Amazons of, of Nigeria called Conga. It's, it's, so that was part of the Google I.O. and like the um, Death Fest. So that's really, really, really uh, impressive as well. Uh, so yeah, that's, I think that was the glaring advantage I could see of how in one of those parts of the world why, where that would really be key for, yeah, key advantage for them. And how does the PWA solve that? Uh, well, I mean, the fact that a PWA, first of all, is uh, not installable. So for, for someone, you know, the person that has data very, very expensive in, in, a, in a city like Lagos, you know, uh, think about how, first of all, they don't have to install, like they don't have to go to the app store to install this huge, you know, app that is like 100 megabyte, which is sounds very, very, you know, primitive to us. But 
uh, it's, it, it can make or break the bank for somebody else. So PWA, you know, you, you're just, at the end of the day, what you're doing is visiting a, a web browser, uh, sorry, um, a web page. And of course, with the service worker, with the caching and everything, that alone saves you a lot of, you know, uh, bandwidth concerns that you because you can catch so much information and still kind of get uh, an app-like experience, you know, have everything um, full screen, have a splash screen, have a um, home screen. So in the future, I see that as a really big thing because now users wouldn't really need to go to anybody else to use that app that I told you about Flash here to actually get an updated app. They can just get those updates with really, really minimum um um like without using just a little bit of, of their bandwidth so i think uh progressive web apps will go a long way in really really solving those um problems for some parts of the world like 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 the case i've just made mentioned yeah did we ever actually like define a pwa um i, I don't know on the show in the past if we have but there's a pretty cool checklist um that Google actually has out of, it's called the Progressive Web App Checklist. And so it covers yeah. things like, you know, does it, um, is it served over HTTPS? Um, are the pages mm. responsive? Um, is it available while offline? Things like that. So if you're um, watching the show kind of in the dark still about like what is a PWA, um, definitely look for that link or I can put it in the show notes um, because I know it's not like, it's been, the term's been around now for months, but some people are still like, what, it, what are you guys even talking about? So I thought that might be good to throw out there in case someone's lost. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that we're in an industry where it's been around for months as if like there's this ancient technology that everybody's aware of. Yeah, well, it kind, of, it kind of is though. It is funny because <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's basically a dinosaur now, but in case you haven't heard, if you, you know, been on an island for three months or six months, I don't know, how long ago was it announced, like, or not really announced, but like started being used more by the community? Do you guys know? It's been maybe uh, a year, max? Uh, yeah, I mean, by the community, like the actively, maybe probably less, but I, like, in the early available years around the year. And um, just to add to your point, Alyssa, there's actually a tool called Lighthouse as well. It's a Chrome plugin. It's actually on the PWA checklist. What it does is automatically kind of like, how it just sort of like audits your application to show you how PWA ready your application is. So you can get like the Chrome sort of plugin added to your Chrome. And like, so if you create like a web application, you basically go follows the Google checklist. It's developed by Google, but it's the application tell you, okay, hey, you're missing a service worker, you're missing a, uh, uh, you know, a manifest file or something like that. Uh, it's, it's a pretty good tool. I've used it and I really liked it. So, yeah, just to add to that. Cool. So one of the benefits, like with the PWA, when we're talking about it, we're thinking, okay, cool, we can take and use that to slow deliver parts of our app, right? So that now, okay, somebody can get to a, a usable state of our app really fast with a small payload, right? But, and so then you're thinking about taking your existing app and kind of breaking it up into segments to pull that off. But the other benefit of it is that you're also, they're also receiving only the parts that they're using right over time. So the notion of, okay, they go to this part of your application and they never visit this other part they don't even get that delivered to them until they actually go and decide to use that. Whereas like an app from an app store, um, you're getting the entire thing, whether they use parts of it or not, right? Uh oh, we lost Sonny. I'm sure he'll come back. 
Um, I don't know what you guys, am I on track with that? You guys, yeah? I think so. Um, and I think uh, while he's trying to reconnect, I think we should just touch on what it means and more so the broader definition of PWAs uh, rather than any of the particular implementation details. Obviously, you can look at the checklist. That's definitely already in the show notes. Um, but the main goals of what you're trying to accomplish is to make your application and your site performant and bandwidth friendly uh, for any number of users and give it a richer experience that's an experience that is closer to a native application feel than it is a browser feel. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. Whenever I first um, like started hearing the term being used, I was like, are you just talking about a responsive web app? And so the main reason I always mention like the it's available offline because that was the main feature in my mind that differentiated it because a lot of the other things that are on that checklist or that count as a progressive web app to me were like just common sense. I don't know, like, but I haven't been in the web community for that long. I've only been doing this for like three years. So to me, like all of this is like old news. It's like, yeah, you know, you want to be conscious about that. You want to make sure it's responsive and works on all screen sizes and a lot of the other things. So I was like, so people don't already do these things. So I think the, I don't know, at least the offline and being conscious about like what network or the bandwidth are they on? Like, um, I don't know. I think that's one of the main ones. So is there anything else, Mike, that's like, um, I know that there's um, the ability to, and I, and I know this exists within Android, I'm not sure about iOS, but it allows you to install the web application locally um, that allows you to launch it so it'll install to your home screen so that you can relaunch it as if it wasn't a, an actual installed application, but it's still just a browser running um, locally on your device mm. through offline files as you brought up. Right. Hey, welcome back. Hey guys. Yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> so weird. We're talking about bandwidth and PWs and <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a great time for the internet to be the internet. Yeah. So we were just uh, kind of going over what a PWA is and, and what it solves in terms of uh, those solutions of uh, delivery of it, uh, bandwidth, that sort of thing, but also like the the sub pieces of it and, and what we're really focusing on. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I think we um, we're really on something. I, I really like the spec for the PWA. You know, I was one of those people that was very skeptic at the first. I was like, is it just going to be another app cache? You know, uh, but I mean, I think I've gotten past the stage where I'm like, it's definitely not going to be another app cache. Uh, it's so good that it actually scares me because it's actually pretty huge. Like what you can actually do, it's very powerful stuff. And um, yeah, I really can't wait. Um, any word of support from Apple? I'm not, I haven't heard anything specifically. I personally have an Android phone. Um, I know that it's coming. I just don't know the current status of um, local installs of PWAs. Okay. So what, um, what do we need to think about in terms of architecting our applications to be more in line with like a PWA? I mean, is this something drastically different that we're designing our apps for when we're talking about architecting them? Uh, I, me personally, I think it depends on what, le so when I think of PWAs, I think there, there are, you know, you, you've got 
because they're progressive it it's i also think the implementation of pre uh, pwa can actually be progressive so uh i think there's this misconception where it has to so if you want to build like a traditional pwa like mobile app of course you'd want to have like a you know uh uh you know, a very thin shell so that you have like really quick content that you can cache, pre-cache, and then you want to be very data focused so that you just get the data later on. But also, you know, you have a lot of these, if you, uh, and if you check your service worker installed on Chrome, you see that a lot of current web applications that you use today, are actually PWA ready, but a lot of them don't really have a thin shell. You know what I mean? They, they just use the service worker to do some caching and stuff like that. That doesn't make them any, less of a PWA application. So I think it does come down to your specific implementation. Like, um, um, but if you were to build like a no, like a classic mobile, you know, PWA focused application, yes, you definitely want to be focusing on like a thin shell. You'd want to, you know, really um, serve all your material over HTTPS because you run into problems if you, you I, I'm, I, I think I can quote myself on this, but I'm sure you can't, cache HT, like non-HTTPS, uh, what's it called, right? Is that correct? I know that HTTPS is a requirement, um, but I'm not sure about the caching concerns um, and requirements there. Yeah, so uh, I think I have, because I've had that problem where, you know, uh, when I was developing one of the PW apps for a conference and a lot of the images were served via HTTP, I had to kind of move it to, uh, to Firebase storage and have that set over HTTPS for free and then everything was, was all right. I, I think, see. Yeah. So really some of these requirements like must be served over HTTPS is really because it makes logical sense for some of the other requirements like must be able to be cached. So really it's all like logically fitting together. Not just some weird, you have to have it this way, but it's it kind of all lines up towards the end goal of while wow, offline. All right. That makes a lot of sense. All right. Uh, you want to show us some stuff? Yes, so I do have a couple of stuff I want to show you. Uh, I have just quickly three stuff I want to show you. One is kind of a PWA. I might have broken it in the process, but that's all right. Well, the second, I haven't gotten around actually making it PWA ready yet. Uh, then the third is actually wasn't developed by me. It was developed by Josh, um, Justin Wills, actually, of Ionic. Uh, it kind of showcases a new... Um, feature. So let me just get around uh, screen share. Um, let's say I want to screen. So can everybody see my screen of like a recursion of myself? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this is much better, right? Yes. Okay. So um, the first one I'll show you is, of course, this very nice application. I think this is PWA ready. Uh, so I'm not going to try to claim credit for it. This is this was. Um, developed by Justin Wheels. We've been begging him to push the code. He's just pushed it in the in the last hour to GitHub, so you can actually go get it. Uh, and what it uses is actually so I can just it's an Ionic application. Uh, and what it uses is one of the latest um, basically features of the browser, the get user media feature from the navigator, where you can actually get a stream of video or a picture. Uh, so I'm not sure it's actually going to work on the browser itself. The, uh, we might not be able to take a picture. So this, these are different views. By the way, is there, are there any Ionic fans in the house? I'm sure we have some. I haven't used it personally. Um, OK. Anybody so anyways, else? OK. 
I played with it a little bit, um, but it was Ionic uh, coinciding with Angular JS uh, 1.x, uh, not the new stuff. Yeah, so this is built on Ionic too, and uh, it's really cool because what you can see here is actually without using any Cordova plugins or anything, just literally with the browser, I'm able to like get a video feed of myself. So I think this is this has been like cameras have been a very very pain point in in, in browser technology. You know, we started off with things like where we had to use uh, what's it called, um, you know, flash to now where we can actually query the camera, but now we can actually get, hopefully in the near future when this comes fully standardized, we can get user stream. So you can have things like a, a possible Snapchat actually built, being built fully with the web. So I think this is really, really cool. And, uh, it, it's not really much. It doesn't really do much. It's just to show this pretty nice progressive web app. You can actually fill around with some of the settings, you know, play around with the zoom settings and stuff like that. Um, just pretty simple. Uh, I mean, to get this to work with a PWA, when you create a null Ionic app now out of the box, you actually get a service worker and a manifest JSON, so which is pretty good. Uh, what he's trying to do is just pre-cache some stuff. Uh, yeah, and some other things about PWAs that I even don't know how to use. So <laughs> any questions for this particular app would have to go to Justin. <laughs> I, I do have one quick question. So yes. one of the requirements for PWAs is to be able to cache and serve over HTTPS. It, how does that affect the cacheability and testing in a dev environment? Um, I, I actually would, I'm not sure I actually know the answer to that particular question. Um, Justin, maybe, if, or Alyssa, any, 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 anyone got any clues to that? Nope. <laughs> it's a question to be asked, answered another time. No problem. Yes. Maybe the internet has an answer for us. <laughs> Certainly. Google. <laughs> Say that again? I was like, I know, I'm like Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so hopefully okay, so, that's so really quick rundown here. Like, so, so you've got this Ionic application, right, that's going on. Mm -hmm. You're using, it's using Ionic here to do yes. all the rendering, right? Yes. Okay, so, um, and it, that's allowing us to target multiple um, environments, right? We're talking iOS, Android, but also the web? Uh, iOS, Android, Windows. So uh, Ionic's not necessarily targeted to the actual web itself, but uh, nothing stops you from actually, because it's very optimized. So uh, they don't tell you to target because they're targeting hybrid apps, but I can tell you right now, I'm actually working on projects that use Ionic on actual the um the browser itself because it's pretty well optimized for performance uh you can actually decide if if it fits your use case you can actually even decide to use it on a mobile web application or even like a browser-based application depends on your use case you just have to be aware but yes it does let you do all those things and and so okay cool so uh if this is i think everybody everybody cool with the first application i could just go to the next one which is, um, so Tel Aviv, this window. Let me just make sure. So I'm not really great. Actually, sorry, let me jump back real quick. Um, so you were showing capturing the camera with the help from the Ionic code, correct? Uh, no, it's, so that camera is actually ha with a new sta um, standard being proposed by Google for getting user media. So you can actually query the live feed of, a, of the actual camera with web. So there are no Cordova plugins there, no Ionic code. It's just literally web code. 
Okay, so that's something that we can potentially do in, if we have an Angular app that we're just doing a web app for. Yes, yes. Cool. So right now the standard is not final from my understanding, but yeah, you can you can play around with it if you have the latest versions of Chrome, yes. Cool, thanks. Okay, so let me just make sure I've got the, the latest version of this particular application. So let's let's just see T. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so Ionic Lab. Um, so this is uh, an app actually, I actually uh, demoed in, in Angular Up in Tel Aviv, um, basically using Ionic to, but what I was able to do is actually copy some of the code from Google to actually cache a video offline. Uh, I think I might have broken that actual feature, but I would, you know, I would try to, uh, oh, I, okay, the problem is normally I would turn off my Wi-Fi right here and actually kind of play around with it, but, I mean, considering our case, <laughs> that might not necessarily be a good idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, but there's a video out there of me live on stage, turning off my Wi-Fi live on stage and warning the users that this could hardly go wrong, and if it does, it's not my fault. You can blame someone in the angular team and i don't know someone somewhere that has nothing to do with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it basically this just shows uh, i i kind of created a uh, a progressive web app that was like a tourist application i was like if, I'm, if i want to tour if, I, if i'm a tourist i want to know places to visit and i don't need internet to do that and i went to and copied actually a code to actually um kind of like play live a very nice hip-hop video um sort of like a Jewish hip hop video, and I was able to do things like this. So you could just enable Hebrew and then switch everything to the right to left. And so basically, I was like, these are the five most important questions for me. You know, how do I get food? How do I get to the street where my hotel is? If I want to buy something, how much something is? And if I want to get get a power adapter, because the power adapter in Israel is different from the one in the UK. And in case the person doesn't understand English, I could just switch to Hebrew. And I wanted this to work offline, so. And uh, you can like scroll with a bunch of places uh, and do stuff like that. So and this was just to clarify for people, uh, yes. like this, these PWAs are really special in the fact that you're showing all of them on different, like on Windows, Android, iOS at the same time. But that's not mm -hmm. necessarily a requirement. Like if we were to zoom in on the iOS window and make that full screen, like that in and of itself is the PWA, right? Like yes. just so that we're being clear. Okay. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, probably should have made that clear. Just using the whole Ionic Lab feature, it by default it does this. Uh, but yeah, so this was one of like probably my real first ex exposure with P. And I can actually show you some of the code uh, and actually explain a little bit of it better. Uh, so of course you've got your manifesto JSON file because to work with a PWA you need two things, which is you know uh, a manifesto JSON file and a service worker. And the manifesto JSON file is sort of like a just exactly a manifest you can set a name you know some logos it has like a ton of features which are listed on the google like pwa kind of page you can do all of that uh, and then you you've got the service worker so what i did on mine is um pwa is on automatically like number like uh, we probably all already all know this they don't version their cache so you have to come up with your own versioning system um so i had to i created two caches one for prefetching and one for read through so subsequent caching and so i have like a bunch of things i'm prefetching you know things like my font 
things like my you know polyfills you know my main js these are things that uh, would really change a lot so i want to prefetch them as early as possible and just get them once so that the very next time the user is app uh, accessing this application it just kind of loads up really really quick and to actually show that you could also prefetch a video file just not non-http like json type i did this as well although i would recommend that if you're caching something like a media you should probably be using like index db ish or a different form of which is like accessible via the service worker because the service worker doesn't have access to the dom so i would recommend that actually but uh this was just for show so in the install function you do all this you do all the you know the prefetching and save that and the activate function you kind of make sure that you're not serving and if it's this is a new version of the from the version number has gone up and then you want to delete the old ones and make room for the new ones and then in the activate you you can kind of carry on with that and then this bit of code if i told you i knew everything that it did i'll be lying because i kind of just copied most of it from the google video demo <laughs> but essentially what they're doing here is actually just um allowing you to basically cache a blob which is like a video um and you can get like bytes of that and you can actually cache that so it's actually really possible i my rule of thumb is i prefer to cache if i wanted to cache like a video i prefer to cache it like um with index db or something that way i have access to it in the dom even though yes you can still talk to the service worker it's just my preference so but this is uh, so like so i kind of make sure um, if this is a blob I cache it the right way. If it's not a blob, I just cache every other thing. Uh, you probably shouldn't be caching uh, caching every other thing. You want to maybe find a way to set headers from your code to know that okay, this is what you want cached. Or there are a lot of ways to go around that. Uh, you might want to intercept the HTTP request. And just for show, users working code tiny payload even if that's not really what they're designed for but and you can communicate also with the with the dom with you know post messages and stuff so nothing really fancy just a lot of lazy stuff that i mostly copy from the google page which is always good to do <laughs> Um, so so you that um, you're having to write a lot of this caching code, and mm -hmm. is that like the norm now, or do you think we'll get to a point where maybe that's some boilerplate stuff that's like automatic for us in some form or fashion? Um, I, I think so. I, 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 don't, I probably wouldn't think. I think the same way we have, you know, jQuery came because we, we had a lot of code we were just rewriting with JavaScript and then someone someone is probably going to create a github page and people are going to start like a, a a service worker boilerplate war on github you know <laughs> um well which is always a good thing right you know it's by when we're repeating ourselves then we know to do you know to create better solutions and there and so which is it's always a good thing actually uh but yeah but one great thing with ionic is that when you start an ionic application they kind of give you a default service worker manifest which we will see in the next the last uh, application i would show you um they do that by default for you so you don't really need you just kind of don't really need to do much to actually get a pwa to work by default okay yeah. ready to see the final app yeah, yeah.
Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So the final app is called. I hope I don't get any copyright for this. It's called Netflix. Um, so if anyone from Netflix is watching, I promise you, I don't share my password. Uh, so this application actually was over Christmas because I don't really celebrate Christmas. I was a bit bored and I saw this great, um, I can actually quickly show you uh, a medium um, post about this great design by a very nice guy. Um, so just to make sure I kind of give a shout out. Uh, if I get the right, okay, so um, I, I'll have to find that link for you. But basically, there was, you know, this great guy that just created this uh, design for um, a Netflix application. Okay, something seems to be wrong. Uh, okay, so uh, I think I know what might be the problem here. So I recently upgraded this app to actually use uh, the Ionic DB, which is something that is still being like in beta. It's in private beta. I'm helping them test that. And I think they've broken it. So the code to actually get the movies. Oh, I'm pretty, oh no. But anyways, I can just show you on Medium what the app actually looks like. And then I can talk about the code. Um, yeah, and you so can I, always like I said, put the like link to your like talk that you did, um, like in our yeah. show notes or yeah. on the messages, so that people can also see like the live presentation of it. Okay, perfect. I, I'll certainly do that. But um, anyways, this is what the app was supposed to look like. Uh, um, it's just like literally a Netflix application that uh, you click a movie, the background of a movie. Pretty cool, actually, from the design. And like I said, over Christmas. I saw great designs from a, a guy called Afosa and I kind of just implemented it with Ionic and put it made it open source. But it's also service worker ready. So this is what the default service worker, like when you create an Ionic app would come through, you can have like a, the activate function, some of like the functions you use, you know, the fetch function and just this, just a very simple skinned um, sort of like service worker and a, man, a manifest JSON file that you can actually just change on your own. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much it. This will be the three applications. Any questions from like anyone viewing now? Taking a look here. Mike, have you seen anything coming through? Um, no, just uh, uh, the only question that I'd seen was more so surrounding the debate of for, for development purposes, if people should be choosing a native application or a, <laughs> a hybrid app. web application, and that's that's going to be an age-old discussion that's not going to be solved <laughs> uh, anytime yes. soon. But but that conversation then does extend uh, from in the Angular community from the broad sense to more specifically Ionic versus native script, um, um, which is okay. an interesting discussion that is a more specific domain to that greater conversation. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, the funny thing, I, I, I get asked that question a lot. And I always seem to just answer it really quickly, because I'm like, I actually don't see Ionic and NativeScript as, comp and comp as, comp as competing technologies. You know, I think they're both two awesome technologies, and I absolutely love both of them. You know, I'm very great friends with Sebastian, which is a developer evangelist. We play football every Thursday. Uh, you know, 
It's like, if we can get along, I'm pretty sure everyone else can get along as well. Like, uh, but I actually don't, um, so let me just end the screenshot. I don't see, that, see them as uh, competing technologies because they're kind of targeted to two different sets of people. You know, with NativeScript, you can create a native app. Uh, while with Ionic, you're closer to the web. So I, I generally don't actually see each of them as, uh, this is my opinion anyways, as competing technologies. I don't think that you have to, because we have this opinion now, you have to build a native app to get the best, or you have to build a happy app. No, there's a right time for the right type of app, you know, for the right resources and the right use case. And there's never really a best way or the better way. It's just, it depends on a specific time and place and resources. And I think that's how people should approach making these decisions. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. I think that there's been a lot of strides in terms of the browser and the web of what you can do within there. And I think the idea and the structure around PWAs are just the next step to make the, uh, that or to close that gap uh, between native performance and web performance. Yes, I, and I will get there. I hope so very soon. I was wanting to ask you guys if you thought that like I know right now it's a special like PWAs and they're separate from web applications, but do you, even if it's in like the super, super distant future, ever see it bleeding over and there is no more such a thing? It's just kind of a pattern that you do when you build web apps. Like do you foresee it going in that direction or is it not that big of a need and it's too much work and effort to get there? What do you, what do you guys think? Uh personally i think for the foreseeable future say the next you know short-term future i think it'll be a case-by-case -case basis I, I i still don't see the web becoming every time you're building a web application you're making a pwa ready i think there'll be a lot of times where people just don't have that need you know my app doesn't need to work offline you know if i'm building a uh, let's say a dashboard for like a company that does this i don't really need that to work offline so i don't need to like you know, that's, it just makes sense that that should be on the web. Uh, so, but I think where PWAs will really shine is mobile, you know. Uh, a lot of people with mobile uh, web app use cases, uh, the mobile use, because that's where they really do shine, you know. Uh, um, you'd have things like whenever I'm traveling in the airport, you have to download a 10 megabyte application just to actually download your boarding pass, which doesn't really make sense. Like, really, guys? <laughs> Come on. Exactly. Or you have to download a train line, train application just to download, you know, what's more or less like a PDF. So come on. Yeah. And I, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it sounds like it's going to be more of a case by case thing. And if you really need it. Yes. But I think the, for the mo considering most internet traffic is coming through mobile, we, it would make up a huge chunk of there will be a lot, a lot of PWA ready apps. It will be a big thing. It will not just be one tiny if else thing. It will be a, it will be a very applicable case for a lot of people. I think so as well. Even just the aspect of the concept of like an app shell to be able to have an initial paint to say, hey, yes, I'm responding. I'm here and I have some content for you. I may be able to show you a loading indicator if I have some longer running process to get some initial data, but give that feedback to the users of seeing, hey, look, I've got the app. It's starting up and we're getting ready. Um, is a great concept, not just for PWAs, but also for any application to basically say, yep, I'm here. I'm working for you. Mm, I agree. I think a, a lot of it's all going to kind of actually lead towards leading us into probably that all these factors that you're talking about along with angular as a platform i think 
the platform itself has a lot of stuff that they're trying to lead you into doing these things, leveraging service workers, leveraging some more of these, you know, lazy loader routes and these things like that, that as all these things start to come together, it's almost like PWA is the end of the road that they all funnel down to. Mm -hmm. um, especially, I mean, even if we talk about, you know, client apps that, that you're going, okay, I need a tool for my internal team that's going to use this, right? It, it's not going to be long before that internal team goes, I want to be able to use that on my mobile device, you know, in some fashion. Right. Well, and if we're building enough, just as like web developers, if we're building enough PWAs, I feel like the practices, in my opinion, will bleed over because from what I've seen even in the short like three-year period of time is like, um, even just for something as simple as like styling and making something responsive, like I go to create a new like web app or I go to create a new feature on our existing one and it's not a thought of should this work on mobile? Like it's, it's well duh, it should work on mobile unless, you know, a client specifically says we don't want this to work on mobile, which has happened. But, um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of these checklist items should hopefully bleed over and it's just default like we just do it um the only reason i can see it not happening is if it's like really really hard to do right like if it's something that's just so much work and we're just like okay well, do we really need to put this in but like you were saying like if mobile you know is a majority a huge chunk of sites that we're building then i don't know i could see it happening where it just starts and it's maybe not tomorrow but I think another, another thing that's going to come into play there is we're talking about these client-side applications that are delivered JavaScript to the client, right, that are then cached. And how is it going to unfold to, as you make new versions of that client app, how do you ensure that, that the end user is getting that refreshed newest version of your bits to run that application, right? Um, and the PWA story has kind of that built in, looks like to a degree, to be able to kind of surface that a pattern for that already to say, look, I got, you know, I got it. The the new the shell has a new some new logic going to it. How do I make sure that everybody who already has my app, my PWA installed, gets that push of that new to update the next time they hit it? Mm. That's uh, these are these are all great. I think I, I really like what uh, Alyssa says like you know you know um, quantity in the developer community tends to be the key drive for quality. When people start using, you know, look at jQuery, for example, you know, we were, you know, doing crazy things with it. You know, people were giving IDs to everything and classes to everything and just, you know, you know, act, trying to access uh, a diff from like Alaska, while, you know, while you were all the way in Europe and <laughs> you didn't really think about the performance. And uh, <laughs> I think you, you understand what I'm trying to do and didn't really think about the repercussions and then, you know, that's the only reason why we have things like, you know, Angular, for example, because we, we thought about that. We said, that's a bad idea. And then we had to start telling people, stop doing that. And then we had Angular 1, where everyone was doing things, you know, people were just killing the scope digest cycle everywhere. And then we thought about that. We said, that's a bad idea as well. Now we want to go component architecture. God knows what next Igor is going to be like. Hey, there's no more scope. Maybe he's going to be like, no more component and no more factories. I hope not, but... Yeah, so, I think Justin's right because, like, if Angular yeah. and that community and that framework start going in that direction just innately, then I think it could yeah, definitely, Angular. yeah. So we'll start to, we'll, because we will get hurt and then we'll start to do things better and better. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I love okay. what you said about access, accessing, <laughs> accessing, trying to get a div from Alaska, and you're in like, yeah, yeah it's like what, well, yeah, if you could just. 
you know, just do things, <laughs> crazy things. Uh, we, we know the pain, we've suffered through it. So that's why, yeah. Totally. It is, it is totally. true. Hey, so Sonny, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, other talks you've done, talks you got coming up, uh, other training courses and stuff. Let's plug some of your stuff here. All right, all right. So um, I, I'm just kind of breaking out with what I'm doing now and the things I'm going to be doing. So um, in terms of um, things I'm currently working on, so I'm actually currently working on an Ionic course on with, uh, uh, with Linder. And hope it's taking forever, but <laughs> hopefully that will get done. And and so no promises, but there are. I'm, I've started blogging again on sunnyusive.com about you know Ionic and Angular. And uh, I wouldn't say Angular too before. Maybe uh, Mishko and Igor might be listening and hear me say a number after Angular. They would really be happy. Uh, so Angular uh, and. The next, um, then also, uh, I'll be traveling still, so I hopefully will be at NG Vikings in the next two weeks in, uh, what's it called, um, Copenhagen, and I'll actually post the links of this uh, as I speak, so um, have NG Vikings coming up, I'm going to be at, at in Israel in March as well for the .js, talking about progressive web apps actually, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, so ngconf as well, I'll be hanging around, I wouldn't be speaking. I have a training coming up uh, in London in February, so tickets still up for sale. Then currently I'm actually working on a progressive web app for healthcare with the UK government to actually get people healthier. So um, it's a very, very progressive web app uh, use case as well. We, we, you know, we're working with these people that kind of help people get back into work, you know, with um, and what we realized is that they had a lot of um, huge, you know, these caseworkers had like huge laptops that they were carrying and they were working on the train and they had to like meet these clients and write stuff on the paper. And it was really primitive. So we thought about creating like a mobile web, um, uh, a web application, but also not just for their tablets and their browsers as well, but also for like, you know, make them PWA ready. So if they went to a client and they were trying to get the information that could work offline, cache security and when they had internet that would really so these are some of the things if you just keep in touch with me on sunny use of my twitter my dm is open all the time um follow some of the very not interesting things i write <laughs> and yeah and what's your twitter handle it's sunny Yusuf, so it's s-a-n-i-y-u-s-u-f that's my handle everywhere if you find anyone using that handle let me know so i can sue my trademark <laughs> exactly um, so i'm just gonna post the links i talked about on the slack channel uh cool yeah we'll throw those up in the um, episode notes and get those out there yeah um got a lot of stuff going on definitely a lot of interesting content people need to be uh following you keeping keeping an eye on what you're doing because it's definitely definitely worthwhile stuff um thank you very much Cool. Let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. We'll get to uh, picks. So normally we do these picks at the end. Uh, anybody, uh, Sandy, do you have anything that you want to share other than the stuff you just shared? I mean, that could be your pick too. It's fine. Oh, I think I've pretty much covered it all. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. All right, uh, Alyssa, what do you got? I've been like really addicted to this game called Egg Inc. And there's two links I just posted, one for like the App Store and one for Android, the Google Play Store. 
but it's this game that's all about chicken farming and you like have to basically try and have the best chicken farm in the whole world and it's addicting just so you know there's even things where you can build like an egg kia there's all these egg puns it's hilarious so yes if you are in need of a distraction from the stress of the day i definitely suggest this game but yes that is all <laughs> sounds like a lot awesome. of sure about the uh, cholesterol level <laughs> mike what do you got mike uh two things uh one it was just announced i believe it was yesterday that the Angular Fire plugin for Angular development uh, now supports Firebase storage, which is a nice addition there to be able to uh, store larger uh, information outside of the real-time database. Um, and also yesterday, uh, Minko, uh, have just released Injective, or uh, get the right name here, uh, sorry, injection.js, uh, which allows you to do essentially Angular dependency injection outside of Angular applications. So if you want to stand up, say, a Node application um, for your web server, but you want to use dependency injection, um, it's a the only dependency I believe is on Reflect metadata. Um, but it allows you to do dependency injection outside of Angular applications without requiring Angular. So go and check that out. Interesting. Awesome. We actually uh, have a show later uh, where Jeff is going, an episode where Jeff's going to be back on with us, and we're going to be talking about DI on the server. So that's an interesting topic. Um, I also have something from Minko, uh, and it's an article. He says he's got a lot of airtime today. Uh, distributing distributing an Angular library, um, and it talks about if you're going to build a, an Angular library and how to package that up and to think about that. Um, so a really good resource there, so I'll share that. Okay, I might as well just add one since I'm the only one that actually didn't add anything. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't want to be the one left out, right? Um, is it from Nico? Uh, no. <laughs> so this is something I've actually been working on. It's it's basically four-way data binding in Angular. We actually have that in our app because you know how Firebase has three-way data binding, you know, having your model view and your uh, and your server. Well, with, we've been able to power... Um, hit some stuff with uh, PouchDB and Cloudant to actually have four-way data binding. So you actually have an offline database, sort of like Firebase storage, but a bit more advanced because you can actually query an offline um, database and write it and read it completely offline and then have that sync automatically with revisions and everything. So well, we're I'm trying to create an Angular library for that because you kind of have to do the vanilla JavaScript way with PouchDB and any CouchDB-based couch server. So that's something that's really interesting, and yeah. As soon as, you, as soon as you publish that, we're going to schedule you to come back on and talk about that. That sounds awesome. Okay. Yeah, yeah, super next year. Definitely keep us, let us know, keep us in the loop on that, because that's super interesting. I certainly will, certainly will. <laughs> certainly will. Awesome. Well, our guest, Sonny Yusuf, thank you very much for coming on, sharing all this knowledge, um, <laughs> and a lot of good information today. It was really great to have you on as a guest. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Alyssa. Thank you, everyone. Like, literally, thank you, Mike. Like, it's been a pleasure. And um, Justin, yeah. thank you. Thanks, cool. man. All right. And, catch uh, you guys so, all. Uh, next week, we've got, um, we're going to be talking with the organizers of NG Cruise to really go talk about what goes on in trying to plan a conference on a ship, which you all should get on, seriously. Um, I'm still, still waiting for my CPF response. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, certainly. So, yeah, that's all we got for this week. So thanks for joining us. Have a good one. Thanks again to our guests and our panelists, and we'll catch you next week.
Later. Bye. Bye. Bye.